Welcome, everyone, back to an all-new edition of Cult Following, where explorers in the further reaches of cinema, angels to some, demons to others, back from the void. I'm one of your three hosts for this special edition, Victor Moreno, alongside Kirby Nelson, and our new third-hand man, Joshua T. Root. Bingo! All right, so... You're going to ask, you're curious, where have we been? And, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. But life finds a way, as Jurassic Park has taught us. But um, just to catch everyone up on what's been going on. Been going on. That's me doing sound. <laughs> but, um, no, so uh, you might have noticed that Adam isn't here. So as we, you know, noted a few times on past episodes... Uh, Adam is the projectionist at the Alamo Draft House in Chandler, and uh, he, as think as of this, he's the only projectionist there, and his hours have gone really crazy. And since uh, he's the only hand there, and he was the producer of all the episodes up to now, something kind of had to go. So uh, we wanted to keep the podcast going. So for now, right now, Adam is on hiatus, but he may reappear in the future, awesome. schedule depending. Schedule depending, but we're going to soldier on, soldier on, and you might remember Joshua from uh, Adam and uh, the Cinema Fantastico podcast where they talked about Star Wars. Yeah, also the video game episode of Cult Following. Oh, that's right. For uh, What was uh, that No game? Man's Sky? Yeah, yeah, No Man's Sky. Right, right. Uh, well, and then we talked about video game adaptations um, where I made the prediction that uh, Assassin's Creed might actually be good. Oh, my God. Oh. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> oh, I literally just watched that movie yesterday. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. It's so bad. Well, I, I still stand firmly by the idea that you can't do a good video game adaptation. And a lot of it is just the climate that every m- first movie in a franchise has to be an origin story. Uh. No matter how convoluted or stupid. For further uh, evidence to this topic, check out Ghost in the Shell. You know, I would say abortion, but, you know, I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. offend all our I guess listeners. We, we probably won't get into it. I, I, I actually liked Ghost in the Shell, weirdly enough. But, okay. Uh, well, we can talk it. about it. We can talk it. about it. Yeah, okay. Or you can Old read news. the review from the doctor himself at cultfollowing.co. That's true. Well, it's it's we can talk about it later. I feel like that's an interesting discussion we can have. Um, so, yeah, uh, when we've been soldiering on, Cult Classics has been doing really good. We just did uh, Predator the other night. Uh, huge walk-up at the door. And, you know, we always love when you guys support us, so thank you. And uh, we're going to be doing The Thing on May 13th. Uh, and we'll be giving away p- passes to a Mad Monster Party over at the Wecopa, uh Resort. May 19th through the 21st. Yep, we'll also have a booth there, and that's going to be exciting. Uh, it's going to be the debut of Doug Bradley in his brand new Tom Savini designed uh, pinhead costume. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm actually really curious to see how that's going to go. So is that, is this going to be for like a new movie then? No, no. So here's the deal. Um, apparently, you know, they always do the cool costumed photo ops, which mm-hmm. is why I love Mad Monster personally. That's like my favorite thing. Like I have a whole wall. In our new, uh, you know, cult following recording studio we're in right now, yeah. of uh, all our photo ops at Mad Monster, and apparently this new thing is called the uh, Pinhead Experience, where they're building 
a room that looks just like uh, Frank's attic with light oh, effects and everything. Slayer, yeah, yeah, or sort of like the Conjuring experience they had at Monster Pal- Son of Monster Palooza last year, where you know you're going through being led into this room and Pinhead will be there. And uh, I really want to do it um, because we usually do a group photo op. Man, it's really pricey. It's like 260 bucks. Yeah, I was just going to say. Now, didn't you say that that covered like multiple people? Yeah, it's like 260 bucks for four people. Okay. So So it's not terrible, actually. To me, I'm like, you know, I spent more than that on photo ops at Mad Monster last year. Right. And honestly, that's the only photo op that I think is really like grabbing me. You know, I think they have a C.J. Graham. I might uh, do that one just because Jason Lives is my favorite yeah. Friday the 13th. Going to skip the Butch Patrick, but uh, I actually tried to get my folks, because my brother might be down, to do a family photo with him. That might be but, cool. But uh, we were going to see, but yeah. We'll see what they uh, end up calling. I know it's, uh, it depends on how many people can get in on it. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Sometimes it could be a really good deal. Sometimes it can be hard, but. Yeah, but I'm definitely leaning toward doing the Pinhead definitely. experience, at especially this point. since Doug Bradley's actually going to stay in character for the whole thing. Seriously, he's actually going to talk yeah. to you as Pinhead. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so uh, I can only imagine. Please, no flash photography. <laughs> I will tell your so, phone apart. It's a waste of good iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I was at uh, uh, Monster Palooza uh, this past week or two weeks ago. About you know, a week and a half ago, there I'm being super timeline conscientious. <laughs> a week and a half ago, the cult classics crew, uh, consisting of me and Ruby for this occasion, uh, was out in Los Angeles for the Monster Palooza convention. Which, uh, as I've learned through email correspondence with Elliot, was the most attended event at the Pasadena Convention Center. Period ever wow i believe it and it was insane i literally can't quantify how many people were there like the fact uh, we talked to people who waited in line five hours to get in on saturday yeah just and to get in just to get in well, you said there was the uh fire marshal came, yeah the right? fire marshal kept stopping attendance and they they uh the thing that i think was problematic that i hope they don't do next year was when people left they would resell tickets to get in. And Phoenix Comic Con does this as well. And I really, I'm not a big fan of this because it just creates this, you know, oh, this huge line wrapped around the entire time. I'd rather people get in than just have a huge line the whole time, which in a way sounds hypocritical because we do like the big line at Cold Classic. But we eventually do let everybody in. That's beyond our control. Yeah, we can't control that. People choose to line up. It's No, no, I don't even mean that. I mean, it's beyond our control. The theater is open when it is. Just in case anybody didn't know, we're at the mercy of... It, you know, Pollock is a great partner, but it's they 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 have a regular business of showing movies, and it's right. when their last yeah. film is done, then we're able to. Oh know, yeah, we yeah. try to get everybody in there as quick as possible. But I think Pete, this time we had the Predators in costume. That was a really cool. Yeah. Yeah, the, the line is always like half the reason to. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you meet people and talk to them. Exactly, but, uh, it builds that whole community. Monster Palooza definitely. Uh, they moved it because it's always been at the Burbank Marriott, yeah. and, and it's absolutely even Son of Monster Palooza, which is the downsized version. I go with Victor every yeah. year, and I went years before. Is is insanity too? They just I went to the Pasadena Convention Center uh, about four years ago for the thirty five years of terror, the Halloween convention, and it was 
it's funny thinking about how empty it was. I mean, it was full opening night, but beyond that, it wasn't like that crazy. But I can imagine Victor was there too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and it was um not poorly attended. It was very well attended. It was just it's crazy. Yeah, I can imagine that place being completely well. And, and here's the thing. They had a list level guests for this one. I mean, they had Kane Hodder as G, you know, Kane Hodder, Robert England, who mm. almost never does shows. I can tell you, I've been doing horror con- on the West Coast. I've been doing horror cons since at least 2007. This is the first LA con that he's done. In that. I think he, I think he did Weekend of Horrors once. Yeah, twice, but but it's it's always LA. He yeah. doesn't do a lot beyond that. He yeah, does he does traveling. like uh, he does flashback weekend sometimes, and he does stuff overseas. But like getting him there was like a huge deal. And they had Elvira, and all all the uh, all the people who do autographs at Monster Palooza are right at the door. So create this huge log jam of people just getting in with a line. Get get their autograph kept lapping and um at we i went outside to use the bathroom at one point and the line for the atm was about 200 people deep at one point i mean that's that's just how crazy it was at that point you know that just sounds badly organized um yeah i like it's already outgrown i mean it's funny they jumped there to because it outgrew uh burbank bad like one year our table was in the hallway you know and this, like, they've already outgrown this new place. I mean, they had uh, the side room where they had a VHS swap last time. They had an overflow for extra vendors, and I feel bad for them because unless you knew they were there, you were never gonna. And the convention center, Pasadena Convention Center, is not small. If you've never been there, it's like two floors. It's got tons of different rooms all over. Huge oh no, no, this—they're in the main hall. They're not even in that room. They're oh. in the really big one. Yeah, so it's even yeah. bigger. But I mean, there's a lot of space in that venue, and. Uh, it's it's still crazy how but i mean that's the the convention scene just continues to grow especially the horror convention scene which um you know that's we've been really good friends with the guys from mad monster forever and they're they really believe in phoenix so come on out on may 19th through the 21st and show them that because the that because don't expect phoenix comic-con no offense to them to be bringing in a lot of horror and uh, cult stuff. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, so yeah, that just catches you up. And it, although we didn't say it, this is actually episode fifty-two of Cult Following. But since we're starting anew, and just because we're nerds, this is clearly Cult Following new fifty-two. New fifty-two. New fifty-two. Collect all the variants. Issue one. But uh, we're back. There we go. And, you know, our our whole plan is to make this uh, podcast that you can catch every week and just try to make it something uh, a little bit more accessible so it isn't something that we do like once or twice a month. And, uh, you know, we're going to get a whole network of interesting shows and, you know, we'll get more guests and stuff. So stay tuned. You know, we're going to make it worth your while. How how salesman-y was that? We're going to make it (laughs) worth your while. Uh as a, uh, a a recovering salesman, you yes. did great. Yes. What's it going to take to get you in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm like Kurt Russell in used cars. Uh, I just bought a car like a week ago, and I'm really thankful I didn't hear the, what's it going to take to get you in this car? Oh, boy. Yeah, it's bad. So, uh, you know, now that we've got the intros out of the way, um, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. Not too, We're not going to too crazy because... 
our main topic today is we're going to be talking a little bit about Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. Yes. You know, a, a very a topic very near and dear to all our hearts. And we're going to talk a little bit in depth about The Void uh, from our buddies at Astron 6, which just came out as something that we have thoughts on. So we're going to get to that as the meat and potatoes of the show. But uh, we've been watching a lot of interesting stuff lately, a little bit, and we're going to talk about some of it. So since we already hinted at it, we're, let's talk about Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just say this. With everything I've heard about Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. I couldn't have had lower expectations. Oh, yeah. Right? My, expecta- my expectations were rock bottom. When, <laughs> you uh, still didn't no, no, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when they did that, um, they did this uh, online thing where you could, you know, do it. It was a meme generator. Uh-huh. And a lot of people took advantage of it. Like, oh, I am Hollywood's right. whitewash, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But aside from that point, I noticed right then and there, because I try really hard not to watch trailers anymore. Because I see so many movies at press readings now. The, the less I know, I feel the better. And I noticed these meme generators all said, I am major. Which seemed really weird to me because I love the Mamoru Oshii anime, the manga, right. standalone complex. I'm like, should that say I am Motoko? Right. You know, I'm like, right. Major's not a name. That'll come into play later. But right then, that was like, oh god, I've clearly been spoiled on something. Try to keep it out of mind. And, you know, we see this movie. I'll let Joshua talk because I don't want to jump into the stuff that bothered me too quick. I mean, ultimately here, I, I just don't I don't have a lot of connection to Ghost in the Shell. Like, like okay. you said, you do have connection yes. to Ghost in the Shell. That's not me. Um, you know, I've seen the anime and that's it. Like, honestly, that that's yeah. my ex- exposure with Ghost in the Shell. So I kind of went into it just as a, you know, as a fan of genre film and of science fiction. And I thought that it was gorgeous to look at i loved the clint mansell synth score um and i i don't know like in terms of cyberpunk movies mm-hmm. there's not a lot right i mean you know no, like, well there there's not a lot which was another uh critique that i have in terms of the aesthetic going right on. but i don't know as, as far as that stuff goes i mean i will be the first to admit that uh i'm an easy target you yeah know, when it comes to that i really am and um and so you give me you know holograms and you give me a synth score and something that is i don't know not in my opinion like b level material i mean something like johnny mnemonic right i'm like okay i get it i mean yeah. I, it's funny and everything and it has its place but i would honestly i would take something like ghost in the shell over johnny mnemonic now maybe that's that's sacrilege to some mm. people, okay, but I definitely would because it wasn't something I was just laughing at. Yeah. Um, I thought that it just, the looks of it were great. Um, I felt that it was something that managed to get the feelings of an anime, um, but yet didn't just feel like, hey, everybody, look how anime we are. Aren't we so anime? You know, like even The Matrix, which I have a lot of love for the original Matrix, did not age that well at all, right? In terms of the whole, yeah, I suppose style, so. Yeah, right. The you know, aren't we cool? Aren't we you know so cool in our our our, our uh, trench coats? And I think part of that too is the whole Wachowski aesthetic, like, right? You know, oh, visuals over storyline punch, yeah. which is why that franchise has diminishing returns overall. Agreed, and yeah. I just I don't feel that it went there, and that's what one thing that I think I appreciated about it is that it seemed to 
have a genuineness that that wasn't just only slow motion shots. Like I I kept picturing in my mind watching that like what Zack Snyder would have done with that film. Like mm-hmm. I can picture exactly what that film is, and I don't I don't want to see that film. No. Um, and so I think that it showed a certain amount of restraint. Um, but it was definitely hey, it was not perfect. It was dumbed down. Like please, I don't need to be spoken to like I'm a child. Like I get it, and I think the yeah, film would have been that's a, a big lot critique I have. Yeah. with this, did you did you see this? Kirby? No, I haven't seen. It. Okay. I'm, I'm not fully in absentia. I mean, I remember the anime and stuff. I mean, you know, like twenty plus years ago. I mean, you know, I grew up about like ninety one to ninety six, loving anime. Back when you know we would have to get you know copying tapes from the comic shop and stuff, and you really had to oh god, I remember doing that. Yeah, you you really had to hunt (laughs) around for it. But I mean, a lot of the series and stuff, some of them have had you know adaptations and whatnot, or have more you know obviously are are huge cultural institutions now. Um, But I just feel like you know obviously the one thing I know, I mean, I avoid the trailers too now in general and stuff visually and stuff. You know, the first time it popped up. I actually wasn't 100% sure if it was that or the Blade Runner uh, trailer. Just just the like the very first opening shot or something. You right. know, it's kind of yeah. one of those films where, you know, and I understand the cyberpunk aesthetic grew up with, you know, Shadowrun and stuff like that, like uh, a role-playing game about that kind of... Um, yeah, Shadowrun. Yeah, and it's like, you know, those kinds of things, I think it works. I mean, you know, they they've had a lot of different stuff over the years. I mean... Some stuff is is impossible to translate to screen, at least currently, even with the massive amounts of CGI and technological advancements. And some things, you know, like I mean, I don't, you know, some other big ones like from that era, like Ninja Scroll and stuff like that. Right. I mean, why well, consider yeah. like the Viz video or the manga video and stuff like that, where I think you know those are the titles they want to adapt. I know Adam, if he was here, would like he'll probably chime in on you know Akira, like. And, and that's for the emotional yeah, don't, and don't storytelling even get me power. Started on the whole idea that like <laughs> they want Jordan Peele to direct an Akira remake. Yeah, or, exactly. Uh, but it's just yeah. one of those ones where I mean, I just feel like that one you just can't ever reach that. That the the uh, animation medium served it perfectly, and that was so long yes. ago. Now it's like you don't even need to think about it. But it well, is what well, it is. Well, that's one of like I'll, I'll just go into this because I, I did write a review of this film and it is up on cultfollowing.co. Um, and I, I'm not really going to hit too hard on a lot of the um, weird whitewashing stuff, which is a whole bag of worms on its own. I will say this: there's a lot of cool shots in this movie, and they are 100 percent lifted from the anime without zero context. It's just right. like this is a cool shot. Let's put it in the movie, and it just they they cut so much of the anime out to do this weird protracted origin story, like yeah. to lead to the end, which is like the further adventures of Major in Section Nine. Um, that it doesn't make sense. It got to the point where basically, uh, if you look at it, everything they cut out and all the weird things they had, they had in a this company called Hanka Robotics. With an evil CEO, and then suddenly, that guy Ma- was the worst. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. suddenly, Major is a you know, oh, a human that they put in this cybernetic shell, and then you, you, it's like this is a weird distaff version of RoboCop. It one hundred percent is. Even ending with like they they put in the spider tank sequence from the anime at the end, without really any build up. Like, oh, by the way, this is the mini boss before you get to the CEO, and I'm like. Oh, so the spider tank is Ed 209, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
And and at the end they fix her, and I just couldn't help thinking of that line when uh you know Lewis is all shot up at the end of RoboCop. He's like, I'm a mess, Murphy, and then RoboCop just tells her they'll fix you. They fix everything, right. which in that movie is this like huge condemnation of just like you know oh you're just an appliance we can fix you. And this movie is like oh totally be an appliance. It's a hundred percent an awesome gig, you know. And like I said, uh, I like. My bigger, like, I won't talk about the bigger storyline consequences with, like, the twist in this movie, because that's in my review, and it's worth, well worth reading. But I will say, um, the aesthetic of this movie is very much this weird mishmash of Back to the Future 2, Minority Report, <laughs> and Johnny Mnemonic, and I just right. could not get into it. Mm. And, like, the whole fact that the whole thing is shot in, like, Neo-Tokyo, and there's only, like, two Japanese people right. in this movie. Well, is it? I mean, it's, it's really okay. weird. It's, it's I mean, really it's weird. It's city or something, right? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be Tokyo? It's, 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 a, a big part to me is just funny. I mean, not seeing the movie, but one thing I do remember when I first started seeing the material, and it's funny, it brings up the whole whitewashing thing and this and that. I'm not going to go into that. But it, one simple thing to me was seeing Scarlett Johansson, obviously, or casting as controversial. Yeah. I was like... I already saw this movie. It was called Lucy. Yeah. Like, right. or I already saw it. this movie. It was called Under the Skin. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, or that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. but it's her always in. She's done so many roles that are so similar. But this movie literally has the unstoppable. You know. Yeah, I, I was listening to the Slash film cast, and one of the things I think David Chen brought up that was really funny. It's like, well, uh, the lead of this movie is a super unemotional, super unemotional white woman who's struggling with her sense of self that screams scarlett johansson <laughs> right. if you've seen every role she's played in the last 10 years Boom goes the dynamite yeah yeah <laughs> and, and it's it's just one of those things even down to like avengers age of ultron where yeah. she's like trying to equate herself to the hulk i'm a monster too because i can't have children right yeah or she, you know she plays a, a, a phone program you oh in her that's yeah, it and that's, it's weird yeah. because you know, uh, if you look at the anime, this is based on the whole thing is, uh, you know, struggling with the philosophical consequence of like, well, am I still a machine or am I a human being? Which right. is something that her nails so dead on yeah. on the head. That's an amazing movie. And this movie just doesn't want to touch it at all. Right. Like, oh, this is the whole crux of the movie uh, of the source material. But we're just get it away from us right at the beginning. We're like. They're, you know, they're building her, and they have this weird character invented for the movie, played by Juliette Binoche, who does <laughs> my least favorite thing in any movie ever, where they ex try to find a way to wedge the title of the movie oh in there. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like oh, that family your thing. ghost, you know, <laughs> yourself is in this body, a shell. But you're still you. You're just a ghost in the shell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, I was definitely rolling my eyes. That head. would have just been my review, honestly. <laughs> yeah. That would have been it. Like, yeah. signed off. Yeah. It's like, that's it. That's it's the like, whole don't review. try to justify the title. I swear, like, um, they, uh, Family Guy did this great thing yeah, years yeah. ago where, like, you know, like some convoluted sequel and they had to fit the whole name in there. Like, <laughs> ah, it's Gremlins 2. You're a new batch or something like that. It's like, oh, right. just fucking kill me. Yeah. So again, I mean, I I, I really, I think it's going to be one of those movies though that I just, I pop on a Blu-ray to fall yeah. asleep. To oh yeah, night. no, it, I told, like, dude, I fell asleep during the, the press screening three different <laughs> times so you're it, saying it's a sleep aid oh dude it's like that movie's 90 minutes long and the pacing is languid it feels <laughs> right. like three times longer than it really is 90 right. minute night cool yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah that's that's, that's the ad our right. main 
takeaway from this from that movie uh joshua i think saw a much better movie uh yeah yeah i saw um a movie called free fire Mm -hmm. last week um and that one i actually really liked it um it it took it a little bit to get going in my opinion Mm -hmm. um but uh so you know just (laughs) this is an easy film to describe it's uh like a 90 minute gun battle basically oh wow um and so kind of the way i i uh the capsule quote afterwards was this is like the gunfight equivalent of the alleyway fight scene in they live oh Um, wow you know it it really is that it's it's like where it starts off saying okay it's a it's a fist fight and then it just keeps going and it keeps going and it goes to the point that it's so hilarious like i can't believe this fist fight's still happening right and and so same deal with this it's like there's literally no way that they're they're just going to continue this gunfight for another thirty minutes, right? Because um, well, they're like trapped in a room, right, or like a warehouse. Yeah, it's a warehouse. It's, yeah, yeah. Like the huh. What is amazing about it, though, that I and this is really the thing that elevates it is it's not just a, a John Woo gun battle for ninety minutes. It is like everybody I think takes at least one bullet within the first three minutes of this gun battle. Okay. By the end of this, I mean, these guys are shot like 10, 12 times in the arm, in the legs, and they're crawling around. And it's just so hilarious, like how messed up everyone is by the end of this movie. I mean, there's explosions, there's all kinds of stuff that happens, and it's just seeing all these people and it's a comedy ultimately i mean they're calling it an action comedy and it really really is because they're they're you know they're constantly just shit talking each other even you know it's like they're they're beat up it's like oh you're not gonna hit me again it's like boom they get hit again you know so um i really enjoyed it um i uh you know it reminded me a lot of of it, so first of all it's set in the 70s and the, oh, okay the, i like that yeah the plot is very very straightforward it's it's uh just it's a like a gun deal gone wrong you know um and that's it and you have all these guys locked in a warehouse with a lot of guns there's not a lot of spoiling this movie <laughs> you know that's the point oh, yeah, yeah. um but it's uh it, it's definitely something that um even though it's set in the 70s you kind of have this impression that it's almost like a grindhousey kind of or an exploitation kind of a film that sounds like it'd be up my alley um but it's it's really it, it doesn't feel like an exploitation film what it feels like is it feels like a 1990s action film like and i mean like a like a like one of those indie action or indie crime movies like post tarantino you know things like yeah because um, to me it almost sounds like you know, the way you're describing it is like Reservoir Dogs with more action. Yeah, but it's it's. I think it's it's kind of it's more like Guy Ritchie territory. Oh, I I know? hear what you're saying. You know, like Lockstock, yeah. and then and you know even movies like Way of the Gun, where oh, it's just kind okay. of like this, that's hyper. I like that movie. Yeah, me too. You know, it's irreverent, irreverent action. You know, it's like everybody's just constantly talking crap to each other. Everybody's clever. Everybody's cool looking. And I mean, this film's by Ben Wheatley. Um, I don't know how oh, you feel yeah. about him. No, I like him. Uh, I like sightseers. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I just, I, I fairly recently watched. Uh, um, it's the, the one where they're do- eating mushrooms. What's that one called? What's that one? I don't know. Uh, it's a drug. I'll look right. it up. So a High Rise, I mean, he did High Rise. Yeah, that's right, recently. with Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, and that movie got a lot of hate, but I think that movie's kind of brilliant. Um, it's incredibly psychedelic very very bizarre but ben wheatley films always just a field in england okay got it right yeah um but ben wheatley's films just look tremendous so this is just a very very well shot 90 minute hilarious gun battle and uh you know 
the the, <laughs> the friend I brought along, she was like, this is a lot of guns. I don't know if I like all these guns, but if that sounds like your jam, um, mm-hmm. I would highly, highly recommend it. It's uh, it's I, I, I really liked it, actually. I don't think it's going to be one of those top. On, I, I don't think it's going to be my top 10 of the year yeah. at the end of the year. But um, boy, if you're a fan of just uh, of gunfights and action films and comedy stuff like that, I think you'll really like it. Um, yeah, so I watched that, and then uh, I uh, I also checked out um, Double uh, X or XX. Oh, XX. Yeah, I the saw anthology. that movie. Yeah. 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 I haven't mean to check that one out. I've been excited yeah, about it. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about that movie. Yeah, well, as an yeah, anthology, yeah. right? Um, I feel the first one was kind of weak. Um, yeah, The Box. Yeah, that one was... Uh, uh, it's, it's in, my friend Yovanka directed that one, uh-huh. and um, I feel like... Let me let me just paraphrase it. Mm-hmm. You know, some that that the mom right. is going to be the antagonist right from the get go because right. of the on the nose casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the mom from the strain. Oh, okay. See, I haven't seen the yeah, strain. Yeah, so I didn't I, know that. and you hate her on that. She's, she's yeah. like the worst character on the show. I was like, oh god, this is a little on the right. nose. Um, and I feel like it's leading up to something and then at mm-hmm. the end they just kind of throw in images that don't yeah. really pay off and that's the ending my, is kind of weird that's my big complaint also just there's that part in the middle um you know which i won't spoil anything but yeah. I mean, it has to do with the dinner table and a mom yeah and everything and i just felt that was kind of shoehorned in um i really liked a lot of the aspects of that one um like in terms of the, it the builds feeling. tension well but yeah. i feel like there's no payoff exactly yeah and and as happens a lot with anthology yeah. films I think that the second one, which was directed by Annie Clark, who's also the mus- musician St. Okay. Vincent, yeah. I really liked it. I can that was see my how least that one, favorite one. Yeah, I can see how that would be yeah. divisive, um, but, and maybe it's because I'm a St. Vincent fan, yeah. and you know, there's something about her aesthetic that, that I really like. But Yeah, um, it's very stylized, right. so I, to me that rubbed me the wrong way, but I could see how other people would like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was all about building up to that punchline. Yeah, and I think there's a punchline at the end of that one that it's like it, it's either the punchline is worth it or it's not worth it. Yeah, um, to me, like after the punchline, it like it almost becomes it looks like a music video. Yeah, and yeah I think yeah. that's what rubbed me the wrong way about sure. it. And I think that's that makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, it's coming from a musician. Yeah, um, but I felt that the last two were really really good. Um, like the the last one specifically, the ones that's by Karen Kusama. Um, Which one is that? So I remember the first two. That's uh, her only living son. So I don't want to give anything away on this one, but um, have you guys seen Split? Yes. Okay. So have you seen Split, Kirby? I have. Okay. So I'm not going to spoil the ending of Split, but there's something that the ending of Split does that is really interesting. And this one. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I, I just looked it up. Now I remember <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, this was be... at, this was this was actually like the best one I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was tremendous, and it it does the exact same thing that Split does, and it's like, oh my god, are they really doing this? This yeah. is awesome. Um, but really, I mean, Karen Kusama is just quickly becoming one of my more favorite directors. I mean, I, the, the invitation started... was one of my favorite genre yeah. movies last year. This one is really clever because. Um, it's a riff on a really popular horror movie. Exactly. And well, it's a sequel. Well, yeah, I'm trying not well, to spoil <laughs> it. I'm trying yeah, not yeah, to spoil yeah, yeah. it. It's okay. Yeah. But that's still. And, 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 you don't and know it works. It works. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. especially once you realize yeah, yeah. it, it's like, oh, this is so clever. Yeah, I dig yeah. this. Um, the one right before this, I didn't like the, um, the the one with the people going out camping. Yeah. It felt like straight out of VHS, and I really didn't. 
Yeah, I actually yeah. think it was by one of the people that did VHS. Totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. Um, it was it was from it was one of the people that uh, did Southbound also. Like the, you yeah, know, it was one of those Southbound people, which I didn't love that much. Um, but yeah, no, I mean o- overall, I mean XX. I think like a lot of anthologies, it was a mixed bag. But I think it was all worth it for that character. I'd like to one. see them do another one like this because I like the idea. Because uh, the little um, they do these little interstitials that are like um. Uh, stop motion yeah, yeah, yeah and those are really cool so i could Agreed. just kind of keep going yeah definitely and then um, just the last thing i wanted to quickly bring up um is uh because it just started it's a very topical um is uh the leftovers um on television you know i i i've watched that show uh, brian polito really likes it uh-huh. i try to watch it after i i'm not super into it mm-hmm. i think it's um it's an interesting concept. It just doesn't work for me specifically. Have uh, what have you watched? Have you only watched? I, the I've first watched season? it up to the the one where um the you know the people who don't talk they make uh-huh. all the dummies. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, so I've watched a fair pretty far into the yeah. first season. Here's the thing: the second season of that show is mm-hmm. like it's an exponential jump. It's like I mean I don't even know how to quantify how much better that show yeah. gets in the second well, season. Well, and there's a lot of shows like that. It's just that the first season of that show is super depressing. And so so is the second season. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very hard. Like, if I'm going to relax, it's... I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying this to sound, like, simple-minded, but sometimes when you want downtime, you don't want to watch a real downer. Right. Yeah, right. and that whole show is, like, a huge Totally gotcha. Yeah. Um, I will just say that, because I know a lot of people watched the first season or part of the first season, and they fell off. And I was one of those people that when I watched that first season um, that I was definitely, you know, it's like, look, you know, I'm, I'm not the, the, the biggest fan of, uh, oh, what's the, the co-creator's name? The guy oh, uh, Damien Lindelof. Yeah, the, Damien Lindelof, yeah. you know, like he's really bad at closing things. He's, you know, really bad at follow through. And I was like, I'm not going to get taken again. I'm not yeah. going to go down this lost road again with Damon Lindelof. And so I was very standoffish about the first season. The second season I watched because I had nothing you know, else to watch. And I swear, it's incredible. The second season, every single episode of the second season is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I truly feel that the first episode of the third season, which is its final season, uh, which premiered on Sunday, um, I don't feel is even up to that level yet. I mean, I'm going to give it more mm-hmm. chances. I'm hoping that it can get back to the level of quality of season two. Um, but I've just been obsessing over that show. I rewatched the entire thing to get ready for season three starting. And just once again, just had my mind blown by season two. Um, and I feel the beginning of the episode, uh, the season premiere, season three is tremendous as well. Um, but it just, you know, maybe it's a lot of setup and stuff. But I just wanted to give a shout out because I think oh, yeah, that no show worries. is a brilliant, brilliant show. I think we're, we do a lot of that on here and it works out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Kirby. Um, uh, just a few quick ones here. The, um, it's funny, we're talking about the Matrix and stuff, and things that don't hold up well was, I actually can say, I mean, I bought this probably in like 2009 or 2010, saw it theatrically, hadn't watched since then, watched the uncut version of Drag Me to Hell. Oh god, I really hated that. Because I just want to start off with something something old and something new, but the first half I still think is enjoyable. Um, just the first like thirty forty minutes, and then, and I think the end is still fun, but the um, the whole like main 
portion drags not only on forever, it's it's bloated. It's like an hour and 40-something minutes. Yeah. But it just goes on way too long. But I honestly, I mean, I could talk. There's a lot of films. you got to give certain films, like films from the 90s, some of them, some of the early aughts. I mean, even up until this is less than 10 years old, the worst effects. I mean, it's Greg Nicotero, too, and Howard uh, Berger. So it's there's, a, there's so much unnecessary CGI, CGI in this But movie. that is the problem with it. There's Well, some... and this was like Sam Raimi just coming off of the Spider-Man Man. movies. And Man. I, I have a very... I honestly feel he's never really recovered from that. No, he really... I, I actually have a lot of love for Dragon Hill. Even... I mean, I'd still watch it. Well, no, if you, Like, I, every Halloween. But I, I totally know what you're talking yeah. about. No, no, I mean, I really think the it's... There's a lot of films that I like like that, where, like, the first 30 or 40 minutes, I'm like, man, I'm really into this. I still think the Gypsy is probably one of the most terrifying yeah. things. And it's a great... A, what I mean by that is without doing gratuitous gore in the yeah. beginning, it's more like just that she's such a threatening presence. And it's people's plays into people's fears of the elderly, of of our own like eternal internal decay. Yeah, and I do like that concept. Um, Ivan Ramey also was the writer on this, and I do think some of the stuff that Ivan Ramey has helped with did help even out some Sam's stuff. It can be it's both like a he's like a blessing and a curse. Some of it works out well, some of it doesn't. Um, but I mean, well, it, there there's weird tonal issues just with her because she's like a jokey character if i remember like she's kind of like bitchy right who else yeah allison loman's yeah character. she's kind of well the whole thing is she's like the uh the fat she, farm yeah, girl trying to, who's trying to make it like big right. and she's trying to be successful justin long is the uh the rich boyfriend yeah. with the uh society family yeah, i'm trying to remember right she denies a mortgage to the gypsy so that she can get uh, she's trying to aim for right. like an assistant yeah, manager yeah. position but i mean it's not the plot to a point makes sense you know it's nothing like over the top it's just that the whole the seance scene for me a lot of it but it's the i i honestly i mean you talk about bad cgi in movies but i honestly for a film that's less than 10 years old was made by major players and you know some good effects artists and some good people in the business the cgi has got to be some of the worst ever it just ruins the movie and for anyone who goes I mean, I can you know people bring up practical practical effects. We'll talk about that more yep. in our in our review of the void. But one thing is is that yes, yeah, some practical effects have not held up perfectly. But but CGI ages so so much, much quicker, oh, so, so much you know? quicker because technology moves so fast. And this film, if they had done it practical and if they gutted about fifteen minutes out of the film, I and made it lean and mean. I really this think movie's been something. really bloated. And I almost feel like he took the wrong advice from this because, like, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Evil Dead uh, unrated version, uh, you know, the one that same uh, the, the the Jane Levy. It, it was a digital the only Alvarez, exclusive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, and, you know, and clearly Ramey and Co had like directors cut over that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the unrated version. That whole opening thing, like, they cut out so much stuff that actually added to the movie versus this where it's just, like, a big bloated mess. And, and to me, the just, I feel like Raimi was very good at characterization. That's why we still talk about the Evil sure, Dead films. Sure. And this movie, like, I, it, whenever, if somebody asks me, like, what's dragging me to hell about? Uh, it's uh, trying to be a morally gray version of Thinner. 
basically. Right. True. And, and to me, that's hard to get past because they try to make you feel for Allison Lohman's character, but you as a horror fan want something bad to happen to her. Yeah, but she does kill that kitten. You know, yeah. so I mean, she kind of spoiler alert in case you're uh, almost 10 years late. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, to me, it's like I'd rather watch thinner. I hate to say it, the the one with uh, Robert John or Robert Burke. I don't remember. Yeah. His family. yeah. It was one of those ones where thinner actually um, got a re-release from all of years ago. And I rewatched it having not seen it in a while. Uh-huh. And I actually think it's one of the better King adaptations. It's really it's good. A really, it's on HBO a lot. I was yeah. saying this no, to somebody else. <laughs> no, no, no. So well, you know, yeah. there are, but there are a lot of good ones that people forget about, and there's a lot of underrated. And that stuff. has really good practical effects too. That's why it yeah. does. Yeah. And it, but it's just a a very um, just a well done. I mean, I read the story when I was young, and I always liked it. I I really thought they hit the nail on the head, and um, that one. But there's a couple of them which I don't want to segue into another off track, but I just want to say in terms of uh. Because I was thinking of thinner, it's a real mean movie. Yeah. I mean, it's real vicious. Man, rewatched another one I haven't seen probably in like fifteen years was uh, Pet Cemetery Two, which uh-huh. has nothing to do with King. It does yeah. have Mary Lambert, the director of Pet Cemetery, not only completely all over the place and just that's a weird, weird as hell weird ass movie. But, that even when I watched it as a kid, I'm like, like do you, you as as a viewer of that movie think that there's like a weird incest? vibe yeah permeating that entire movie that is really hard to get past there's the entire time he it's just like he wants to fuck his mom i can't get past that whenever i watch that movie (laughs) and i'm like did you plant that in there on purpose or even clancy brown is worth yeah oh i was just gonna say we can make the uh the unrated milk yeah later but the um no clancy brown i mean he's just fuck it's like demented oh yeah i love clancy brown because he knows he's in a piece of shit and he's just running with it yeah he just goes completely fucking overboard but i i genuinely find that movie is just mean um so i don't know just kind of weird that both those you know the 90s and the the early aughts or the aughts in general not considered the best years in horror obviously yeah i mean we really kind of stopped the 80s we've come to like certain films in the 90s and aughts I mean, I think a lot of genres are like there or subgenres because it's just hit that point. But I don't know, just two I wanted to bring up. Um, other than that, I, I can't give a review because I just started watching it, and I don't give in to like what everybody's watching or I you know listen to. But because of somebody I do like and and value their opinion, I am starting to watch Thirteen Reasons Why. So I don't know, maybe down the line. I'm not get... really familiar with that. It, at all. It's kind of it's really good. Uh, it's like a dark teen drama kind of series on Netflix. It's like 13 well, Selena episodes. Gomez produced one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's basically a girl who commits suicide and how it unfolds through her um, cassette diaries of why she killed herself and like oh all interesting the, all around it and stuff. So um, you know. It's worth. It's been pretty good so far. Not great or anything. I mean, you really gotta love like. I mean, I think I have a point where I mean, I grew up on that kind of stuff. You know, my so-called life, Dawson's sure. Creek. Oh, kind okay. Of, you know, kind of stuff. It's like that, but a little bit. You know, it's getting there. Um, and then one that just popped up on Amazon Prime. I think that I was, or no, not Prime. Uh, Netflix. I was surprised by. Uh, is um Abattoir, which is um a Darren, oh, Darren Lynn, Lynn Boseman film. Yeah. He but did that a couple of years ago. Well, he, he did it. Well, no, it was just more recently released. But it was um 
he actually made the comic book years ago, wrote oh, okay. the comic book. And um, I remember reading it as a radical publishing book. And I remember, like, what the hell happened with this? He only made, like, six issues. It never even got a trade. It's just the six issues of the comic. And I remember reading the first couple issues and think it was pretty good. This movie is funny because it's just completely different to me than the... Which is funny because he wrote the screenplay, too, or helped somebody... Have well, a lot of times it. now comic books are, like, the easiest way to get movies made. Like, oh, True. here's my treatment, and then they just spin it from Yeah, and that. he did his own. I mean, I love the idea of it. It's basically... Uh, the Reverend Kane from Poltergeist 2 full on like in this kind of like they're trying to make their own mythology story, which it's not bad. It's just not good. It like it catches your attention. You're like interested in the first 15, 20 minutes, but it's another one. I, and I really it's funny that you're just talking about like XX and stuff. And anthologies is one of my three favorite kinds of horror films. I love like horror comedy, anthology and generally like you know, there's some other subgenres that go in there, but anthologies I like because I get, and I realize as I'm getting older, like my patience is getting thinner, and <laughs> yeah. I just I can't stand. It's like, and if it sucks, it sucks. At least I know it's over soon. And in, in horror, a lot of times, yeah, like my favorite movie is The Exorcist. It's two hours. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my second favorite movie. It runs nine minutes, but they both run perfectly at their respective running times. And there's another, you know, a, we could all put in our own. But what I mean is. Horror, I find to be a, a genre where the short story, that's why I think there's so many great short stories yeah. from the classics Lovecraft, which we're talking about a second, L, L, Edgar Allan Poe, Robert Block, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, Matheson, you know, they all wrote, Clark Ashton Smith, they all wrote short stories because it's Clyde Barker, even some of a lot of the guys, some of his best are short stories. Ray Bradbury. King, obviously. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you, you just go on forever, but I do think that works. So that went on a little long, but, um, I kind of want to go back to the comic book on Abattoir and read it again and because um, I really don't remember it well, but the movie's worth checking out. And then the only other thing I wanted to add real quick is that uh, just locally, because I've been enjoying it a lot, um, is uh, we got like a lot of great indie wrestling promotions. And I've been really sporting uh, Party Hard Wrestling, uh, which is at the Nile Theater. It's been a lot of fun. If you're into wrestling and you just like, want to have a good time on a Friday night, the season finale is May 12th, I think. And... Uh, just definitely cool like i've just really enjoyed that so it's just cool. fun to support that and uh i think it's better how about you victor uh let me see stuff that i've been watching um so this is playing right now at harkins camel view in scottsdale i guess it opens up next friday at the alamo draft house uh so i saw a uh, colossal huh. what you think of that um I have very mixed feelings about this movie. I wanted it to be really good. I wanted it to be really good, too. <laughs> and I think a lot of people will think it's really good right now. And in a few months, they'll be thinking, oh, I that really wasn't as good as I thought it was. Um, La, uh, La La Land Syndrome or something? Um, kind <laughs> of. Um, so basically, uh, it's this movie, it stars Anne Hathaway as a... Uh, you know, party girl who's kind of drifting through life, and her boyfriend, who's played, um, oh god, I'm totally blanking on his name, um, the guest Legion. Oh, sure, Dan Stevens. Yeah, Dan Stevens. Oh, I didn't know he's. Yeah, in Dan there. Stevens. Sold. Being British, oh, he's hey, actually being him. British in this one. Uh, he confronts her about what a loser she is, and she can't keep a job, and then he leaves the house, and then. It turns out all her friends have been waiting for him to leave so they can day drink 
<laughs> so she he throws her out and dumps her. So she moves to the Midwest where, uh, you know, she's going to live in her parents' old house uh, because, you know, she has the keys and everything, right? And while she's there, she runs into Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, they went to school together. And right from the get-go, I was like, oh, clearly they're kind of, this is going to be some weird rom-com or something like a rom-com thing because he seems like such a nice guy. Right. And he gives her furniture for her empty house and he gives her a job at his vanity bar where um tim blake nelson hangs out all day you know and like you know it's kind of like okay so this is like some like quirky you know relationship thing except as the movie kind of goes on you realize these guys only hang out with jason sudeikis because he's kind of hanging hanging shit over their heads like tim blake nelson is a cokehead and uh, you know if he doesn't you know kind of do what jason sudeikis says he'll turn him into the cops and all the stuff he's giving Anne Hathaway is kind of so she'll want to hang out with him. Right. But it's weird. It's like huh. there's this implicit threat in almost everything he does. And one day they go to a park and they get really drunk. And she wakes up in the middle of this playground. And turns out while she was they were while she was drunk dancing in this playground, a giant monster appeared in Seoul, Korea and destroyed huge <laughs> chunks of it. And... I mean, I, I'm not really spoiling it, but basically, because this happens pretty fairly on, right. due to some, it's explained half-assedly later in the film, due to some connection with her childhood, anytime her or Jason Zudakis step into this playground in Ohio, she appears as a monster in Seoul, Korea, and he is a giant robot. Oh, really? Yeah. That's I, I see. I didn't even know about the the robot part. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and as the movie goes on, you realize you know he's kind of judging her, and it becomes this whole like weird. The whole movie is a weird take on like Gamergate men's rights kind really? of thing. Yeah, because he's very controlling towards people because his girlfriend left him. Right. So he he gets a lot of characterization. You notice I keep calling her character Anne Hathaway. Right. Because Anne Hathaway's character has no backstory. She, you never get to know what music she likes. What she, all, the only thing she ever watches on her laptop is the news about this monster. And you're supposed to think she becomes empowered by the fact that she stands up to him by defending. Because anytime she's like, well, if you leave me and go back to Dan Stevens, I'm going to go in that playground and kill people in Korea. Huh. And it's it gets really dark really fast. Huh. And I'm not really spoiling anything. I'm just, right. This is just a setup. And it's like, I can see people going, oh, this is such an empowering movie. It's like, you know, it's about her growing as a person and not going with douchebags. But really, you don't actually get that other movie. Like, I felt like, you know, because at first I'm like, if you look at a surface level, you'll you'll leave the movie thinking, oh, okay, it's, that was a cool movie. But then there's just like, you realize Nacho Legondo wrote this and his character of Anne Hathaway, the cipher. So basically it's him writing. Oh, this is Nacho Legondo? Yeah. That's why I was really disappointed because I like uh, Time Crimes. Yeah, Yeah. I love Time Crimes as well. But what was that last film that he did with with, uh, Sasha Gray? Oh, I don't, oh, I'm not my familiar God, with that. That film was so terrible. Yeah. And, I mean, I liked his um, VHS segment, too, but that film he did with Sasha Gray, I can't remember the name of it. Up yeah, I'll look it yeah, up. Yeah, look it up, because that movie was just such a piece of garbage. So, I mean, 
yeah, time Putting so Sasha Gray in a movie is probably not a good first step either. Probably Just gonna not. throw. You that know, out. I'm gonna say I do like the girlfriend experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think she's bad and stuff. I mean, not like anything. She was... Oh, Open Windows. Oh, he did God. Open Windows. Yeah. You know what? I, I I gotta say this. I can totally Wait, is this see the one with Elijah. Wood? Yes, oh. I can totally see the connection between these two movies really? now. Where it's like Sasha Gray's character in Open Windows is kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I I'm like the final girl, but she's like just it's a weird like dynamic, right? And Elijah Wood's character in Open Windows is a lot like Jason Sudeikis' hmm. characters in this movie. So if you if you do not like open windows. You will probably not like Colossal. Okay, I, just, I just have to. Yeah. So how do they know they're the creatures? Um, it, they go out drinking and end up in this playground, and then. But how? Oh, it's they explain it in the movie. I don't want to spoil okay, too much. I mean, okay. I don't know. Wait, and two, did Diablo Cody write this? Are you sure? <laughs> no, but because you it, know what this really sounds like. Honestly, it sounds like young adult. Adult. Yeah, exactly. It does. Good job, man. That's, yeah, that's some fucking twin shit right no because it is it's a lot like that movie like her character is very much like charlize theron's character in young adult that's the very first thing i think yeah. of. and then uh except for Patton oswald was more of like the yeah no and then yeah. actually like yeah. somebody you liked yeah uh, no he's like you know, the opposite he of was like the, yeah you know? yeah yeah but it's like you could tell it's trying to be this commentary on that like because right. it totally feels that way like oh the, them being these characters is them being gamers in yeah. a way and it's just i don't know like i left that movie with like at first i thought i liked it and then i was think, talking to ruby and i could tell right from the get-go she hated it like i was like i hate this movie so much and like you know i thought about it a little bit more and i'm just like yeah it, it doesn't sit well with you afterward if you really think about it but if you watch it and just kind of like take it at face value you might be all right with it okay but it's like i was expecting it to be like really good based on what i knew about it going in yeah. and it's just kind of like weird yeah, so if you have no expectations you're all sad. yeah you know and it's just like it, this is the first uh movie it's being distributed no by um neon which is the new draft house yeah, films yeah. radius yeah. sub label so i mean i don't know how it'll do for them well they're, that's why i was saying it's like because like they're also doing they're also know? doing anna lee Poor's next movie oh. the bad bunch which was it beyond fest i wanted to see it but like it look that movie looks weird too. Like I don't know what to feel about that movie. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, so was a girl walks home alone at night. It's a yeah. weird movie. No, no, but, but like weird and not like that good weird. Okay. Like it's like yeah. oh, it's some weird biker kind of movie that I don't know that I really want to watch. But mm. whatever, you know, I'll end up watching I'll, it anyway. I'll watch her direct the phone <laughs> yeah. book after a girl yeah. walks home alone at night. So I'm, I'm That's interested. A... That should be like the new rating system. Yeah, <laughs> good weird or bad. I know, weird. and I, I like. Or weird. I'll, weird. I'll just yeah. Basically, since I'll I'll just leave off at that one because I mean we could we've missed a lot. Like we didn't get a chance to talk about so many good movies like Get Out or any of that get stuff. Out, get so out. good. Just go watch them. Just movie. watch. Get That's out. all you need to know. Um. But yeah, we'll just like end up jumping right back in because the the other, oh no no I'll say one more thing I saw that um I saw uh Teen Titans the Judas Contract. And the reason I bring this up is because I've been reviewing these on Cult Following the. DC animated films yeah. that have followed the new 52 with Damian Wayne as the main character. And they just get progressively worse and worse and worse. <laughs> like son of Batman, Batman versus Robin. Like these are terrible fucking like 
Like they're animated beautifully, but the storylines have been so so much garbage. This one is actually good because someone was listening and realized no one likes their version of Damian Wayne. And he's such a tiny side character in this. And they're trying to course correct and not have it tied in to the New 52 anymore. So they brought back Deathstroke. And the whole thing is pretty much a straight um, adaptation of the classic uh, 80s Judas contract. Um, And just to tie it into what we're going to talk about, the main character in this is uh, Brother Blood who is like some weird cult leader in this where he's trying to kidnap the teen Titans so he can steal their powers and ascend to godhood. And it's just such, it feels like you're watching like some weird Jess Franco animated movie. Like I can't, like it's super strange. He's got like S and M nuns and such a godhood. I'm like, man, somebody watched like, I'm going to adapt this. I'm going to make it as fucking weird as possible. And it works. And like, I just love it. It's available exclusively now for streaming, but it comes out in a couple weeks and it's good. It's really good. And I'm just glad that they've realized following down that course of shitty, uh, you know, the shitty, uh, Jason, Amara, Batman, uh, with the stupid Damian Wayne. Like, I hate those. And I love Batman. Man, the last five DC movies have been fucking rough. Because they follow shared continuity that I just yeah. cannot fucking buy into. When I stopped bothering even watching them. Oh, yeah. This one's good, though. It's really good. I right. like it a lot. Um, but, yeah. And just on on the tip of cults. <laughs> We're going to... Cult following. Cult following. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're going to talk about The Void. The new 52 is dad jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boom. We're going to talk about The Void, which I, I'm going to be the first one to say. I was not an early rider aboard the Astron 6 train. I did not care for, um, was it Manborg Man or where or where oh, cop a wolf cop wolf cop i just like i was like oh god these are just straight fucking garbage yeah, i yeah. cannot get on board but then they did uh this really weird segment i think in vhs that kind of started to sell me on them and which then, segment was that i think it was the one the weird he-man one i thought oh, it was abc's of death oh okay oh, is that what it was? yeah, yeah. Okay. and then um they then they Two. did the editor which i fucking love that movie um it's just this weird like uh like homage to like italian giallo movies and it's really dead on and then there's this movie which is you know a few years ago everyone was talking about oh almost human it's like the john carpenter movie you always wanted or whatever (laughs) and no this is like the long lost child of weird 80 of, of weird john carpenter and like clive barker adaptations sure you know I, this it still is, seems like an imitator. Yeah, I mean, it, I like it is, movie, but yeah. But it's not on that level. No, 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 no. But it's tr- like, if you put this on, I would be like, it's on that vibe. Totally. Yeah, totally. it's not as good, but it's definitely very watchable. Uh, do you want to get into, because yeah, Kirby's well, I mean, our, our resident Lovecraftian fellow here. We even share the same birthday. <laughs> um, no, I mean, for me, I actually um, just today posted my review of uh, The Void on cultfalling.co, so you can go ahead and check it out. Um, you know, I can add some additional links, but I was a, um, I didn't watch any of the trailers, but I, they had, they commissioned many artists to do different uh, posters, some yeah. interpretations of it. 
and I loved all of them, but one of the ones, of course, is a lot of them included quotes from, especially the ones that were more meant for uh, distribution in the press and in theaters. And one of them was the one of the first ones I saw is the classic robe figure with the uh, uh, tentacle pyramid and said pure cosmic dread. Now, I don't think my dick could get any harder <laughs> at, at a tagline than that. So, or a review um, snippet. And I just was so excited because, I mean, I love Lovecraft. Not only as an author, but I love all the, most of the adaptations. I've been going to Lovecraft Film Fest for years in both Portland and um, the recently deceased San Pedro Fest in the L.A. area. And I just, you know, I grew up, I discovered Lovecraft 20, 20 plus years ago. And I just fell in love with the work. And The Void, for me, definitely sounded like the love letter to Lovecraft. And that was with its own twists and its own thing and it's in the homage is that everybody seems to be in the end though it's it's gonna say it simply is it fell short of my expectations now that's because my expectations were really really high and one of the things is that people go what what let you down and i go there wasn't enough lovecraft in it for me Agreed. It, it, yeah it just, it, not till the end i would until, say it all it takes more uh, than tentacles yeah, yeah when know? it does it's more than tentacles lovecraft believed in not Horror or fear, it was terror, is what he said. Yeah. It, it is dread. It's that feeling like what we understand and know, which this film does do pretty well, is is that. So there's that portion of it, but it is. But the creatures, everything felt more like, and it, it's the nail on the head every time. Is the thing and Hellraiser. Those are the two movies I. Uh, I have a very specific view of what I think these creatures are from, but you haven't. No, no, but so I'll no, get. I'll get oh, to no, when I, I just, talk about I just meant on influences. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. can definitely tell in the set design, a lot of the different imagery, the makeup and stuff. That this is these are where it lies. I also think Reanimator, um, from obviously like the mad scientist kind of perspective, um, from but, beyond, yeah, from, from beyond, and from no. beyond as yeah. well. Um, you know, they're all there. But it's also this, um, you know, Astron, you know, Victor touched on some of their stuff, uh, the editor and stuff. They're more progressive pieces where, you know, they were kind of known for this over the top comedic horror schlock, cult schlock. And now it's like, you know, they were trying to create grindhouse movies for the modern era. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, okay, we're going to take it more seriously and this film does it, but it's just the the problem is it's not that there's some people complained I've seen that oh it doesn't have a story and it's like well, a lot of horror films don't yeah. a lot of times you don't need a story especially in, well it's a siege film yeah yeah, yeah essentially it is, yeah, it is yeah. a siege yeah. and it's not as good to me as something like it's not as good as siege films such as like a green room yeah. but it is what for a modern take or a class of like taking a Pelham one two three or assault in precinct thirteen but I think that you know you have um, with this movie, you know, it, it it works, you know, shows what you can do with a little because this was an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah, that's what's really amazing about this. And, it, and it's in theaters. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, we are, I will say, if anything, I mean, obviously they got support and distribution, but I mean, this shows that we, that, you know, individuals, can rewrite kind of the roles of Hollywood. And we, there, we've seen some other examples. But The Void, I want it to be because it is not conventional horror. No. And that was my number one thing. Is I was like, wow, we're finally going to get out of this. And that's actually something I liked about Get Out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, just a quick touch on that was just that 
there's been more horror films the last few years where pe- audiences are not just looking for jump scares and the same old song and dance. That's still popular, but people are willing to take a little bit more of a risk now. Well, and those are the ones that I find that people talk about, too. I mean, they t- they're talking about the Get Outs. They're talking about the It Follows, you know, films like that. Um, you know, and it's it's no one's really even the the, the, the big movies a lot of the Bloomhouse movies that do well, people aren't really talking about them a lot. They make no. a lot more money than a lot of the, the things that we like more, but but they're very disposable, you know. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, you know, you uh, you touched upon like the Siege film and Carpenter. It reminded me a lot also of like Prince of Darkness, you know, yeah. that kind of whole thing, especially with like the cultists. Yeah, which um, I thought I really thought that would be way more prominent. Right. Um. To me, like. It didn't remind me so much of Prince of Darkness, so I can kind of see that now. It Just weirdly, with like the homeless people yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah. It weirdly out, enough know? was reminding me a lot of uh, Lord of Illusions. Okay. That was actually another one I was going to say. Yeah, it's very. He definitely that without spoiling thing takes on the primary antagonist takes on the Nick's persona. Yeah, Lord of Illusions being one of my favorites. I didn't in that one. I don't know if it was a hundred percent supposed to be like that. Like they really, I, I feel like to me, it, I was like maybe. it was definitely going up because I felt like the main character was a Doctor Russell. It was mm-hmm. totally like, oh, what if happened if we take like Nix and Doctor Kennard from Hellraiser and made them the same character? True, with a little bit yeah. of Doctor West, yeah, just for right. the, the for the addition, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I so here's the thing. Like, so we talk about things like this is a. Uh, this was an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. And what I'm finding, and I'm finding this to be a lot of things like that. I, I, I kind of feel this way. I mean, I really feel this way about like Kung Fury, for example. Right. Yeah. That's it's, what I was going to say when we started talking about Astron. Yeah. Is that like, I consider that like the apex. Of yeah. That. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know how you go. I can't stand Kung Fury. Like, it's not I, a real movie. Well, it's like, it's, it's like there's ideas in it that I would have liked to have seen sure. in a real movie. Sure. Like the whole thing with the arcade machine monster. Yeah. If they, if that, if they'd found some way to make that the movie. Right, definitely. But it's a half hour of like a, a YouTube video thing. It just feels yeah. like in some way when it comes to things like that, we've lowered our bar of expectation where we watch a film like The Void and because we have been so starved of anything like it in such a long time that that I think a lot of people are willing to accept its flaws yeah. and just say, well, it, it it's it's practical effects. And don't get me wrong all hell practical effects i love oh yeah well we haven't even effects. talked about that like right it there's this, this movie's drowning in practical yeah. effects monsters i will say where i'm sure this is probably you found the downside a lot of times practical practical effects monsters work with the use of good lighting yes and using them judiciously Just adding a strobe light doesn't do it and like, here you see it's almost like an in some it, you know because it works in some shots when they, you know, spoiler alert, there's a big monster near the end. Yeah. And you see it in full. It does not look good. It looks like, like, fuck, like it's out of, like, H&R Puff and stuff yeah. or something. It looks like somebody in a monster suit. Yeah. You know. And, you know, I, it, it, they want to show off that there's a cool design. It actually there. kind of reminds me of Alien Resurrection a little too <laughs> yeah. much sometimes. Right. Well, and that's the whole thing because, like, at that point, I'm like, they want to show off how fleshy it is and everything. And I hate to say it, but it's like uh playing silent hill when they give birth to god yeah and it oh that that's that's god huh it's like that's yeah. told that was totally my reaction like 
that that's gone, huh? Uh, okay. You know, so I I mean <laughs> I I don't I I don't want to make it seem like no I'm no no too we're hard just hard on this because I actually I really really liked a yeah. lot of aspects of it and I was like look as far as those Astron films I mean I haven't seen the the what was the one that you mentioned the editor the editor I have it's not really seen the good. editor yeah but it's easily far and away better than any of those other films yeah. um but it just it feels like these are people who have great love for 80s genre film yeah. that are trying to make their love letter to it oh yeah and this one is much more this is a real like even the editor is kind of like a parody slash homage right you know but it like they actually went full on with the aesthetic because it's like the editor's comedy horror this is we're making a serious movie there's no wink wink nod nod here you know but they're still not really doing anything new no there's not especially because there's a lot especially the ending which like i read that aspect it's if you watch this movie and if and you haven't seen the beyond you might think oh that's cool if you have seen the beyond it's like oh that's the ending really yeah it's the exact same ending you know and you can take that or leave it it's just like at a certain point i was like this movie feels like you're watching a silent hill game yeah. you know and and that's like i said i'm not trying to slag it like i like how the final form of dr russell looks like some kind of interesting take on a cenobite sort of it also that actually is the one where i should have said that was the first time i was like oh it's nicks it, yeah it really is basically <laughs> yeah um but uh the other part too with the um there was a oh because <laughs> it just jumped in when you said the whole thing again no trying not to give too much of a spoiler but uh when you talk about uh, love Larry the 80s or an homage man uh you could have made that birth scene a little bit more extra-ish uh, <laughs> right like i mean they already did it right like you could do it right. um and it could have been absolutely amazing but i mean i just the the whole point too is, is that i actually really like i didn't bring it up in my review but i thought the that you the more you say it hits on it's not exact i like the idea that it's a siege film in a way i didn't see exactly like a siege film but one of the ways in which it could have been more like that, where the threat would have been more not only pervasive but invasive, was I kind of wish they'd hit a little bit more, which is a great Lovecraftian film. And actually, I want to probably edit my review, The Joys of Working yeah. Online, to actually say this is the first film. It's been 10 years since the last Lovecraftian film, which was The Mist. That was released theatrically. Oh yeah, which yeah. I would uh, last major mainstream release. I mean, you can argue, and before that, it was arguably in the mouth of madness. Right. Oh, so much of this movie is like straight out of in the mouth of madness. Yeah, yeah. that was do. like the whole thing. They t- it was like, oh, we could totally do like a Lovecraftian kind of retrospective because yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this is totally like Lovecraftian the way that in the mouth of madness is Lovecraftian. When I really thought they were gonna. It's funny that originally we, um, again, no spoiler, the the primary protagonist is a cop who picks up this um, individual who's beaten, destitute, um, and is running from uh, people who just killed somebody um, in a very horrible way. But it was an excellent opening. But um, one of the things is I really thought there was going to be more of a town. Yeah, I didn't yeah. actually think they were going to go straight to the hospital. Well, that's kind of why I was surprised when, oh, well, I guess we've already said it, when a certain doctor turns out to be, because you don't know what he looks like if you haven't seen it. But, right. like, yeah, when, the, when a doctor that you see early on ends up being, you know, Nick's, it's like, that? That's him? What? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I feel a lot of that stuff was um, I made, I felt like I kept missing something. I don't know if you, if you felt that way, but um, when the you know the two guys that were on the run, who obviously we saw at the beginning of the yeah. film, when they come in there, I kept going like, wait a minute, like what's going, what was going? Well, on they're back trying, the they're trying to throw you in cold. Yeah. But at the same time, certain aspects of it are pretty predictable. Yeah. You know. You know, so it's just some of the because things... there's that part where it kind of seems like. Uh, things keep repeating right and i was like okay so this is interesting all right you know and that's where you kind of get the feeling something's wrong i was also like i said i was really surprised like the cult wasn't because that was a really cool design for the cult members yeah. this is the easiest best cosplay costume oh, you so could good. possibly have well yeah because it looks like a like a fucking like a cross between like uh the zodiac killer and a clansman yeah that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah totally yeah, very disturbing. The but, best Klansman-like outfit since Death Eaters. Like, seriously. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm seriously shocked nobody said that. Like, that, the whole, uh, the, if you've but never you seen. But you noticed they changed that for the second, yeah, for the they next did. film. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I remember, I have one of the, um, I think it's Gentle Giant busts somebody gave me for a birthday years ago, and I'm right. like, that's a good looking grand wizard yeah, right there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've got to figure but, one of those. But you know, talking about that, right? So I mean, you brought up in a mouth in a mouth of madness, right? Um, mm-hmm. which I mean again, this kind of on the larger theme of Lovecraftian uh horror films in general. Um, in my opinion, the worst part of In the Mouth of Madness is when we get to the creatures. Okay. The best parts of In the Mouth of Madness, the parts that make me feel that as you brought up uh, Kirby the cosmic horror right yeah. which is what that's all about are the little things they're the little weirdness they're like the the you know the the old lady with the tentacle or there's a part where it's like the girl's up against the door and you see the tentacles under mm-hmm. the door and then the tentacles retract and then it opens up and she's just smiling yeah. right um you know or just like the old lady has the old man chained to her leg and he's naked and you're like what's going on there or the like the weird black church you know and the the way that they talk about that 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 the black church swallowed the old church yeah. and like all those things those are the things that when i rewatch that film over and over again still get yeah because they promise something like greater and that's right. like why movies like texas chainsaw massacre still have a power because you don't ever really see what Leatherface does to these people right just like not it's to greek, genre it's a jump. greek method it, yeah yeah it's all happening in your head yeah and that's when it's smart i'm like you, you know like okay clearly this is something really fucked up the less you know about it like i mean that's plays into the whole thing of lovecraft in in, in writing you know right. knowledge is what opens up the the, the the less you know, the better off you are. The people that seek this knowledge are the ones that end up super fucked up. Yeah, you know? well, and another a huge part of it, too, is is that Lovecraft, not, you know, it's unofficially, but his motto and stuff was that he was very Victorian, and he strongly believed in atmosphere over action. Mm-hmm. If you've never read any of his short stories or novellas, uh, they're very verbose um they're extremely descriptive but there's really very little action which is why people have such a hard time that's why short um short films work so well for lovecraft because you don't you you don't have to spend so much time you can really build it up and the payoff is the end it's almost like an o henry kind of twist which is the funny part victor kind of mentions is that i found the void to be largely twistless yeah. There is nothing in the film no. that you pretty much don't see coming, at least in one way or another, it, that it leads up to 
in it, some it's earlier hard scene. for me to even really think that uh russell loses i mean he falls through the pyramid we don't really know that i mean you see him dissolve sure. but that right. doesn't mean anything yeah it's yeah. A, it also the internal logic didn't make much sense to yeah me. like what was actually happening like why were some people turning into monsters and some people weren't and it just kind yeah. of felt like uh well i mean i don't know in this scene i want somebody to be a monster so they're gonna yeah. be a monster there didn't seem to be that in that that uh, through line of internal logic yeah there. well that's sort of that was kind of like the prince of darkness kind of yeah. aspect of it like sure. okay these people are monsters these people are not yeah you know or even like I mean, I suppose we're, we're, we've spoiled enough of it. I mean, yeah. there's like just, uh, there's, you know, you'll enjoy the film regardless. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, there's a there, there's a whole thing with thing. like the pregnancies in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're both kind of weird. Yeah. And it, of course, the second you see that pregnant woman, you know exactly yeah. what's going to happen, right? Well, you and know? you get, but that's the whole thing is, is that's supposed to be the overarching theme constant is pregnancy and rebirth and all this other, you know, kind of thing and it's 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 weird because you know you kind of hit on with you know your joshua the in the mouth of mass and stuff whereas i actually liked how they show the creatures because it took so long and then we show them they're still out of sighted as they're running i love that idea like they're out of focus i like that first shot yeah that's why no no that's what i mean the clear shots are not good but the blurry shots are great but what i feel is is that that's actually where this film kind of blew it was that and it just wasn't yeah because it just it, it's way too conventional a design yeah. for the creature because that's what i was thinking it looks like god from silent hill right or, or just some weird tentacle thing or because that's what Which, i was by thinking. the way is held up you were talking about earlier about no good video game adaptations the first silent hill film yeah actually really holds up well there's a oh, few yeah. others but that one it, well, that's what happens when you get a real writer to actually write in. And I mean, like Roger Avery was really into that shit. And yeah. he just made it work in a way that like, you know, because that's the big problem. I mean, they stuck Pyramid Head in there, but it it was in, in a way that worked. And he told a story that was tangentially similar to the game, yeah. but worked as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. You I know. think when, when the, actually the last episode I was on when we did the video game episode, oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. all came to the conclusion that Silent Hill is the best video game movie. So, yeah, you know, we true. definitely agree that, it, you know, it, that's a fantastic movie. You know, yeah. and I really wish that, again, that's, that's also a movie that I, I think did something new. Like it was horror and it was based on a video game, but it managed to actually be new. It it, it, it did these things that you, I had never seen before in film. Yeah. And again, I wanted to see that out of this movie. I'm I'm okay with stuff that's a throwback, but some of my favorite things, um, you know, like I already brought this up, it, it follows, which is a film mm. that I love yeah. tremendously, is Me very too. much a throwback to in style an eighties film. You have this this look to it and but but it's also a completely new film. It feels modern. It doesn't just feel like a rehash you know a cover song which yeah. is which is really what i call something like the void is it's like a cover song it was like yeah it's it's funny a few days ago i was showing uh my friend mike and trish who used to run the graded mesa sure um uh, we were all you know doing this thing we we're going oh have you seen that like trying to find interesting things to watch on youtube so we we're just one of the things i showed them was a music video by this band called j jams for a song called heartbeat uh-huh. Which uh, is kind of like an homage to like you know Giallo movies and slashers, and the whole video is basic. It was weird because afterwards I kept thinking, "Wow, it's trippy how much this is like it follows," even though it was a few years before. Because it's all about a girl; she's being chased by something, 
that's just walking behind her. This oh, weird awesome. dude. It's just it's it's just this old dude. They call him the shape in the fake credits. All it's just an old guy walking behind her. Huh. And it's really tr- trippy and weird. But it, it just like it dawned on me afterwards. Like yeah, you know, other than like it follows in that music video, I can't think of any like horror movie that where it's just like a a thing following you to get you right like consistently yeah and it's very that's like it's weird how smart a concept that was and they made it work really well and it follows well and and and, you know you take something like that and you have you know shots like uh, but you know which i always like to talk about this i'm going to bring it up on a podcast on the record my favorite shot in that entire film is the film where or is the shot where they're they're in the school and they're like going to try and find that one student that had been there and the shot is the camera and the camera's spinning around in a 360 degree, right? And so it spins around and it looks and you see somebody outside that's walking towards the camera. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's the thing that's following them, but maybe it's just somebody that's walking. And yeah. then it spins around and it looks at them standing in the office and it spins around again. And you see that that person is now closer and then it spins around again. But this time it doesn't make a full rotation and it just slowly zooms in on the people, right? So it's like you have this this feeling of oh my gosh is it coming and now because that camera's pushing in you have become that thing that's closing in and really what you're talking about in a shot like that is just good filmmaking yeah and i just i mean as much as i love a lot of what the void is doing here um it's just it's pastiche right yeah and and honestly it follows in a lot of respects is a lovecraftian film in the idea that what is lovecraft's i mean he has several famous quotes but his most famous one you know is that uh you know greatest fear I'm paraphrasing because i'm tired i've been up since like 4 a.m but it's you know uh you know greatest emotion is fear and the greatest uh, fear is fear of the unknown right and what you don't know you know really does frighten people and it follows um one thing i accomplished there also is a movie i really enjoyed years ago called found both of them had one thing in common was that it's timeless. You really mm-hmm. can't tell what time period it is besides a few little things. And I do like that idea. Um, another way to not to to uh, not date yourself too fast. Yeah, the, um, uh, the same guy who did found did another weird like, Lovecraftian movie Harvest called Lake. Uh, Harvest Lake. Yeah. yeah, that that's a trippy movie where it's like you know. At first, it's like a weird homage to like the Skinamax movies, but then it's like a weird body snatchers, Lovecraftian yeah. thing. I like that movie a lot, but it's very well, odd. One, two other ones in the void is is that there is a bit of uh, the Davids, both Lynch and Cronenberg, mm-hmm. both have uh, the influences there. Um, also, being Cronenberg, uh, being Canadian, I think was a big part of it yeah. too. But um, you know, on the Lovecraftian thing, I mean, we've talked about before. You can go on forever, but I will say for people who are looking for a modern or a recent like Lovecraftian film, especially those which it's funny you brought up almost human, but uh, people always talk about the the thing is there was a movie. It's funny because I would consider it like a perfect amalgam of the thing and the witch. Um, hmm. Before I'd seen the witch because it hadn't come out yet was um, is a movie called Black Mountainside. Oh, I haven't is, even heard of that. Which wow. I saw at Lovecraft Film Fest uh, a year ago. A year and a half ago, something like that, 2015, um, I think it was, and uh, it was. It's one of those films. It's um, you know, very low budget and stuff, but well done, extremely well done. 
but it has a very if if you're looking for something like that it's it's very good um i really enjoyed that one um i also i know i've mentioned on the podcast before but i cannot recommend enough about 10 years ago they put out a book um hopefully they'll do a revised edition for some of the additional stuff um but it's called lurker in the lobby and it's a guide to lovecraftian cinema i mean that's definitely where i learned a ton of stuff i mean it's an indisposable reference book um so that's why i check out and um you know, there's there's a few other you know. Yeah, I mean, to me, the most recent movie I, that's good, that's like a good movie that feels very much like something out of that could fit in like a mythos kind of thing was the Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I've n- still have not had a chance oh, to see. Oh, you need to see that. I know. I, 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 that I'll get there. It's it's there's so many. It's on streaming now. It once you guys see it, we'll have to talk about you because you'll love it, man. That's like. Literally, you know how there's like a all right, Get Out is already like at the top of list oh, for like yeah. best horror. To me, like Autopsy. Well, no, like I guess it came out technically in two thousand, but like okay. it's it's still up there, man. That's such a good movie. Yeah. It's totally. He, it's set in New England. It's got all the vibe, like you know, creeping uh, evil vibe to it, and you don't really. It's like just such a good movie. Awesome. That's yeah. one thing in the mouth of Maz did right. It put oh, yeah. Hobbs in right between Arkham and uh you know dunwich and uh just just down the coast from innsmouth you know they really like plod that out perfectly right um but yeah no that's definitely one i want to check out even in the new 52 i'm still going to be at least like a month or two behind but <laughs> i'll get i'll get there and um just on the uh the, the the lovecraft tip um i wanted to do a little shout out for uh crouch end are you familiar with that Mm-mm, no um so crouch end is uh it's a, a short story by stephen king um, that, yeah, I was gonna say that sounds familiar. Yeah, like. they they actually made it into a segment. It's an hour long segment of the television show Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Oh, okay. Um, and so that and it's it's directly, uh, it's not just Lovecraftian. I mean, it's obviously Lovecraft. Um, you know that that is clear. Yeah, I think we have doing. Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Um, and I'll so have to check it out. It's one that I I feel like a lot of these, unfortunately, that in the final act, it just kind of drops the ball a little bit. Because it shows you, you know, Cthulhu, and it shows you that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, just talk about, you know, uh, piggybacking off of what you said earlier, Kirby, is about, you know, just kind of building that atmosphere, right? The atmosphere is tremendous in Crouch End, yeah. Because it's just, it's what I love about Crouch End is it's set in the middle of the daytime, and it's this couple that they're going to a, like a, a dinner for the husband's, you know, meeting thing, and the taxi driver they're like okay we're going to a place uh that's at at crouch end and the taxi driver immediately is like i won't take you any further and they get out and they're wandering the streets and there's nobody in the streets anywhere and it's very much that kind of like in the mouth madness does this as well streets are empty what's going on here this is all very creepy but just the atmosphere that that thing builds and the fact that it's just bright daylight middle of the day in the middle of the city but they have somehow wandered into this 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 place where there are these thin spots between dimensions and other things are getting through is just fantastic. So that's one I had to just give a shout out to. True. And uh, it's funny that I brought up uh, the other one I wanted to say, which I was trailing off earlier is um, a lot of people ask about Lovecraft film fest. One way to see a lot of these things, you can see some online like YouTube or Vimeo, but um, or creator sites, but um, Arkham bazaar, which is um, run by psycho up in Portland, Oregon, um, issues a lot of them on uh dvd so you can check out all the shorts from the lovecraft film fest there's like best of 
they also did their own series. A lot of it's out of print now, but you can still find it somewhere called the HP Lovecraft Collections. Did like four or five of them. They did one for the yellow sign as well. Um, so definitely some great stuff. And then uh, it's funny when you brought up the whole, it got my brain jogging was uh, I recently rewatched them. Um, now it's been added to Netflix is uh, the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, two it episodes. Uh, which oh, I found I'm going to have to rewatch. Yeah. That. Which is great. But there was um, two episodes that are very Lovecraft and one's called Russian about, these are also, I found from Lurker in the Lobby. And the other one is um, uh, the Collect Call of Cthulhu. And um, they're definitely worth checking out. So, yeah, those are that for a little bit, something a little bit lighter, Lovecraft, a little bit more fun. It's definitely worth checking out. Definitely. I think we that was a pretty thorough uh, examination of uh, Lovecrafting horror and our thoughts on The Void, which, uh, you know. I, I don't think we have to like everything about it. I do like my 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 t- my final take on it is I like that in an age where you're doing Kickstarter type of driven films that they went for doing something kind of a deep cut. Right. You know, it's a weird genre to do, but at the same time, you know, I do like something that's going to hold up over time. And I think going the pastiche or homage route, you're not really contributing that much to the greater film conversation. Correct. And I think it'll it probably. Uh, you know, there's a lot of films. I, I realized looking last year at all the films we reviewed, how there are films I saw like I don't even remember watching that anymore, and I kind of feel like in the end this might end up kind of yeah. in that conversation. Was well, that kind of what you were saying earlier? You're like, oh, it might not be in my top ten. Like, you're gonna even have a top ten? <laughs> like, I don't know if I am. This last year, I remember our year end wrap up episode, best of. Yeah, we were we were reaching. Oh, yeah, well, getting, I mean, no, I mean, Vic, Vic, was Victor rough. did a good job, though. He figured out a good way to do it, which was to divvy up different genres yeah, and, and stuff. Right. And that's probably what I'll do this year. But um, it was still reaching. It, it, oh, it, yeah. And, I and mean, I don't, I don't even think a lot yeah. of my best of 2016 movies now I would even really even want to rewatch. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm hope I've, I've lots of hope. I mean, Blade Runner is my favorite film of all time. So, yeah. boy, oh, boy, do I have a lot of hope for 2049. And there's a lot of other films. I mean, Alien is probably I, my that, second favorite. I, film I honestly of all time. feel Alien Covenant is going to tell the story of Blade Runner because I, uh-huh. I feel like Ridley Scott might just be in the. I'm just going to ride these franchises, but if Alien yeah. Covenant is good, I'll have a lot more hope for Blade Runner. But at least we'll have Danny Villeneuve to 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 really you know cut that off. I mean, if, if Ridley Scott has lost his magic yeah but denny has not you yeah know, that's going to be a really good thing and i i personally loved arrival so um, well i i think at this point we know that the denny Villeneuve knows how to make films that explore concepts right which really a blade runner movie has to yeah. and i know i've lost my patience with ridley scott over the years with his uh you know insistence that deckard is a replicant which is I'll I'll say it right now on record is stupid because it totally undermines and destroys the whole point of that movie, in my opinion. Um, what we'll have to, let's definitely yeah. have this conversation. Yeah, we'll have again. it during yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We should probably actually let us know in the comments if you. Uh, I was actually thinking, man, we probably should do a rundown of like all the Alien and Predator films, especially since <laughs> yeah. so many anniversaries have come. We've shown so many now. I know, right? Yeah, we should definitely do one of those. I know, it's kind of interesting, because I had re- really wanted to screen Alien leading up to uh, Alien Covenant, but there was an embargo. And then today, I got the news that apparently 
Regal Cinemas, which, by the way, folks, are not in Arizona. You can go to California or New Mexico, are going to show Alien for Alien Day. Oh, whatever. It's I. Uh, this is this is to me is the ultimate proof that Alien Day is just a Fox marketing scam. Yeah. I love Alien, and I don't I, care about the yeah. Alien Day stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I, that, every that, day is Alien Day. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I I, I so that is the close on the first chapter of the new 52 here yeah. which what how you know more nerds that god that ended up being a <laughs> funny little segue into our relaunch here and uh as always check us out at coatballing.co we promise we'll have a lot more uh reviews and content there's a lot of stuff if you haven't checked out our, sh- our site lately there's tons of reviews from movies we haven't talked about that like get out or logan or Kong skull island that are you know, solid movies that you've probably seen. And, and all the up. shit I had to watch so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Rings. Uh, wh- what other ones? There's been some bad. Oh, the Fate of the Furious Thanks, which I gave a way better <laughs> review than I probably should have. But I said, I should have actually prefaced that one with, I shut my brain off for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Oh, man. You took a bullet there for sure. <laughs> I did. But yeah, and you know, check us out on uh, iTunes. Give us a good, uh, you know, five star review. More reviews help us get our message out to the masses. And if you are in Arizona, check us out because we're always at uh, the Pollock Tepe Cinemas. You know, uh, check us out on May 13th for The Thing, which is going to be a fun time. That's going to be a great screening. Uh, we're also going to be at uh, Mad Monster Party, and we will be at the Phoenix Comic Con. So check us out. Let us know what you like. And. You know, we're gonna, this is gonna go on weekly now, and we're gonna have some fun spinoffs. So, hopefully, let us know what you'd like to see us talk about some more. So, until next time, I am Victor Moreno alongside Kirby Nelson and Joshua Rue. Call me Cosmic Thank, Thanks for seeing us. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Well, it's been a blast. Awesome. So, until next time, keep watching the skis. <laughs> <laughs>